Funding for the Hinckley Report and this podcast is made possible in part by the Cleone Peterson Eccles Endowment Fund and AARP Utah. Thank you for listening to the Hinckley Report, your weekly political roundup. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Good evening and welcome to the Hinckley Report. I'm Jason Perry, director of the Hinckley Institute of Politics. Joining us tonight, we have Tim Shriver, founder of Project Unite, Mara Carabello, president of the Exoro Group, and Boyd Matheson, host of Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. So glad to have you on this special episode of the Hinckley Report. We just finished our, our midterm elections. We're in the holidays, we're together with family, and sometimes we're talking about politics. And, and tonight we're, we're gonna really get into how we talk about the issues that are facing us as a nation, as a state. And, and Tim, I'm gonna start with you because you have, have launched what we're calling the Dignity Index. I want you to describe what this is because it is such a great way to approach what we're hearing on TV and how we view and interpret what's coming to us from our elected officials. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jason, and welcome to everybody heading into Thanksgiving and uh, these special t special time of the year. Uh, you know, you mentioned that we're talking about the issues, and I think in some ways what the Dignity Index is is an attempt to introduce a new issue. We think of the issues as immigration or taxes or crime or other kinds of things like that. Uh, what, what we've found is that there's another issue in the country that people are starving for a break from the contempt and hatred and divisiveness in our country, that it's hurting us deeply. It's hurting us emotionally. It's hurting our relationships and our families. Some would suggest that almost a third of Americans have ended a relationship in their family yeah. over politics. So we think there's a new issue and the issue is not a political issue, but it's an interpersonal issue, how we treat each other, how we talk to each other when we disagree. So the Dignity Index is our attempt to introduce to families, to businesses, and to politics a new way of solving problems by not treating others with hatred and contempt, but rather seeing the possibility of solving the problem by treating others with dignity. Uh -huh. uh, Mauro, talking about treating people with dignity, let's, let's talk about how this index works a little bit because it's about taking speech, commercials, tweets, social media, and assigning a code to it. Talk about what that means. So first I want to talk about how exciting it is that the pilot project is in Utah. So yeah. this has rolled out for the very first time in the state of Utah. We've got more work to do, but I love that, that Utahns are helping us index. That's what we're calling it. It's an index. It, it starts with one. It goes to eight. The first four sort of describe and help us identify speech and language that may be on the contempt side. The top ratings are for the um, eight. But here's what's interesting. I just want to start with this as, as people go to dignityindex.us and start looking at this. It, we have to change our brains. It's not a rating system. You won't end up saying, oh, that candidate was a 2.3. This is really what Tim said. It's about starting to internalize how we talk to each other, really importantly, how people who want to hold offices of trust, how elected officials are speaking to each other as they ask us for their vote. Mm -hmm. So we've we've put together an index um, with lots of help. I think we'll talk about this later. Lots of help from the University of Utah to start sussing out what 
what are universally held points of view about types of speech that we're hearing, particularly in this instance, from elected officials. Uh -huh. well, we're gonna get into how we're all viewing this now that we sort of have this filter added to how we're listening to uh, speech. When when we hear it, uh, we read it, you know, we have the commercials through our airwaves. I, I wanna maybe establish for a second what a dignity index is not. This is not a, uh, a score of how nice people are necessarily. That's right, this, this is not about speech police. Uh, this is not about kumbaya group hugs or uh, any kind of, uh, you know, fake uh, niceties that we can often get trapped into. This is about how we speak in terms of elevating the conversation to something a little bit different. Uh, I think in this country, we can talk about anything. It's how we talk about it that actually matters. And the way we've been talking about things has actually kept us a really safe distance from actually solving the problems. So part of the Dignity Index for me is a self-awareness in terms of how am I approaching this just because we disagree on something, am I now seeing them as the enemy? Um, am I filled with contempt towards them because they disagree with me? Because that, that contempt issue, the bottom end of the scale, means that because we disagree, you are worthless to mm -hmm. me. And so I can melt down your Twitter feed, I can blow up your social media, and I can feel good about myself and go to church on Sunday uh, and just be great. Uh, and so it's, it's really getting us beyond just those very easy, very partisan kind of arguments and actually getting to conversations that lead us to good principles and good policy. Yeah. So, so Tim, I, we're going to get into a couple examples, yeah. but maybe for a second, as, as, you, as you started this, you know, we talk about civility and how important to be civil, but this is a, a different level. I'm going to just kind of explain why you went from the scale of, you know, this is a one to eight, but the top of the scale is dignity, yeah. which is which is a little different than just civility. Talk about, about why you well, approach he, it that way. Well, here's the thing, uh, as Boyd is saying and Mars reminding us, the, the way we talk to each other is sometimes hidden from us. Uh, we sometimes think we can convince someone of our point of view by humiliating them. And we don't stop to pause and say, wait a second, is that likely to work? Is it likely to be successful that by calling you names, by accusing you of horrible qualities, by humiliating you for your position, you're gonna be won over? The answer is clearly no. Actually, what works to actually win people over, just practically speaking, is letting them be seen and heard and, and feel like their point of view matters too, even if you disagree with it. So we're not trying to tell people uh, to suppress your point of view. We're trying to say that in the other is God-given, if I can use that language, dignity. Don't violate it. Don't attack in a way that is likely to make that person descend towards the same kind of acrimony and hatred. And let's also be clear, the stakes here are high for our country. We've looked at this through history. Uh, violent sounding speech leads to violence. Hatred leads to violence. It's not just divisiveness, which is problematic. It's not just emotional pain or relationship breakdowns, which are very painful, but it's also the risk to our, the cultural fabric and to being able to solve problems that matter. So dignity is a notch higher than being nice or civil. Mm -hmm. It's actually seeing in the other, some of yourself. But what's great about that is the index is about us. Yeah. I mean, we're using the index in a political format to talk about speech we hear in public, but it also, I have found one of the things, we were talking about this before the show, one of the things when you look at the index and start thinking about it more, how much you're being more thoughtful yeah. about how and what you choose to say. It's and, and it is also important to me what Tim said about this is a persuasive tool. You're actually not 
giving up your core beliefs. Yeah. You're finding a better way to share those with someone else who's coming from a different point of view. I think that's so important and in terms of how we, we look at that kind of speech and, and where it actually leads us. Uh, this is not designed to suddenly change the behavior of elected officials across the country. Uh, we have to remember and recognize be nice that, if that it, did. it would be nice <laughs> if it did. And ultimately, I think it will, but we have to remember that it's community and culture that lead and the politicians will follow. So this is not going to be a top down, suddenly politicians are going to say, oh, I'm going to do this. It's going to be culture and community saying, we don't accept that kind of contempt anymore. We demand dignity in yeah. our speech because we're doing it, we're living it in all areas of our lives. Yeah. It's uh, funny that, it's funny as, as Boyd's saying this, it's funny that we design something as a grading tool but what it's turned out to be most powerful as is a mirror. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we think, oh, I'm gonna grade Boyd on what he just said, but when I look at the tool and I pull it up on my phone, I think to myself, wow, I use that language. Uh -huh. And what we hear from people uni almost universally, and this is why Utah is such an interesting pilot, because there is an openness to the concept of dignity in this state, and there is an innovative quality to the state, and there is a sense in this state that people are hungry for an alternative. Mm -hmm. So we're just getting started, but we are learning a tremendous amount as people are willing to use this index to see themselves first. And as Boy points out, if we start to see yeah. the way we talk to each other, in a new way, then the politicians, I'm sorry to say, because I come from a political family, they will follow, they will. I'm sorry to say, probably not leave. Yeah. Well, it's, what's interesting, you talk about this being a mirror. Uh, we had an opportunity to, to, to teach 22 students from the University of Utah yeah. how to analyze, based on this scale, some of the speech. And they, some of them talk about how this becomes a mirror and how it's adding uh, to how they interpret what they hear and reflect that as well. So I want to show this video, because we yeah. interviewed a couple of them, about how, how this worked in their lives, and then we'll talk about some examples. Hi, my name is Steven Lenhoff. I'm a political science major here at the U. My name is Ira Dukunda Esperance. My name is Madeline Jones. My name is Susie Estrada, and I am a student at the University of Utah. The Dignity Index is like a way that we've come up with to try to help people in general and politicians specifically kind of measure the dignity they're using in their speech. It's an eight-point scale, so one to four is um, content and four to eight is recognizing other people's dignity. It's looking at how to humanize people regardless again of their values, their views. So at first beginning the Dignity Index project I learned how to code so we were trained on the codings and then me and Steven moved over to pulling the passages and the contacts for the coders. I would get an email telling me they wanted this specific, whether it was tweets or whether it was speeches, um, and I would go spend a couple hours just kind of gathering a whole bunch of excerpts that we could work with, and then we send those excerpts to the bigger group of coders. Within that group, we would um, rank it against our actual printed scale and say, okay, this looks to be a four, and then sometimes we'd have disagreements among our own groups, and we would try and come to terms with that and figure out what it actually is. So after that discussion and understanding um, and learning from each other, I think the learning process was very important. And um, being able to then decide, okay, well, after this discussion, I think that, yeah, a six would be the best way to go because of this, this made sense to me. Uh, so that helped to eliminate some bias. I think what surprised me most from my end was seeing the reactions of the politicians. When I was, I was, I'm looking at their tweets pretty much every day for my role. Um, and at the beginning it was normal, but as soon as the scores were released, the politicians would start to tweet about the scores and their, their 
like of them or usually their dislike of them? I think the ways that my thoughts about political dialogue have changed through this experience have been um, internalizing that dialogue as a tool. And I feel like for those that don't know the Dignity Index and don't know what it is, I feel like should definitely explore it and get to know what it is. Politics doesn't need to be synonymous with divisiveness like I think it's coming to be. And I think that if everybody even just had a chance to read through the score, they don't even need to necessarily see it scored on people because even that can sometimes bring up uh, thoughts of who's better, who's worse. But if you could just read the index, it makes you think about, well, what's a more inclusive way to say this and a more inclusive way to say that? The great thing about it is everyone can understand it because it's really just about how we treat each other. It's not judging policy or anybody's political beliefs. It's about what's going, who's the most cooperative and who really treats everyone with dignity and respect. Uh, it's so interesting when you hear it through the, the lens of these students. And what, what was interesting is I've talked with, the, with these students as well. It's like it, we, we talk about dignity for ourselves, but they're also talking about uh, appreciating the dignity in other people that we're hearing from. Talk about that just for a second, because I want to go through some examples after that. Well, it's so interesting because a lot of what you hear the students describing is something we teach in school. And we've taught for many yeah. years. We, we teach, for instance, in uh, how to be curious and not furious, yeah. right? How to be able to disagree without being disagreeable. And when, a couple years ago, we went and talked to kids about what was going on in the country, and they said, look, we're not the problem. Adults are the problem. The bullies yeah. are in politics, not in schools. So it reminds us, when you hear the students talk, that there's a sense in which we have to own in the media in political mm -hmm. life, in culture, uh, business, we have to own the extent to which we can shift from being people who think that we win by defeating, by demeaning, and instead win by problem solving and being curious and, and mm -hmm. uh, like I say, and not furious. It taps yeah. into this larger movement that we've spent some time in, uh, in the justice community, in which uh, there's really important efforts to change hearts and minds and have public discussions. But what I like about this is it focuses on behaviors, and behaviors are changeable, and behaviors are what impact and set the table for the public space and public dialogue. And so uh, the achievability of this is, is that it is a behavioral change we all can make. Uh, we're still holding our same opinions, yeah. Right? Yeah, right? But we're asking for a social contract that says this is what we accept when you're in the public domain, specifically yeah. in policy. Okay, can we get a couple examples? And Boyd, why don't you take this first one? Because it, we're, we're going to talk about what the number was that was given, but it's beyond just what that number. It's, it's to the heart of how we receive these things. And, and to what, what is coming. Let's give an example of a three. We had a couple commercials. Uh, this first one, a three is kind of the hallmark of this is, we're, I'm just gonna tell you in advance, we're the good people, they're the bad people. It's us versus them. This is an approach. Let's watch this video and talk about how this is at play. I know what it would do to my business if I didn't get paid. I think if people knew that Evan McMullen had stiffed people that tried to help him, $600,000. Just think about what these people are going through, and I don't think he thinks about them at all. He got what he needed, and he's moved on. It's not right. What's sad about it is people in Utah are good people. I think Utah means a payday for Evan McMullen. That's the trademark of a con man. Once you've been burned, it's hard to go back. Cut for both actions is responsible for the content of this ad. 
dignity <laughs> to contempt. This one, this one was a three. This us versus them. Yeah, and, and also uh, getting at the intentions of the other person, trying to read their their moral character and assigning some of those things. Uh, and I think it's really important as we go through this. Part of what Tim said in terms of historically, we've we've had this idea of win over rather than win with. Or tomorrow's point, this is not about everybody agreeing on everything. Oneness is not sameness in America. We want that to be different. And so, the, to me, the real history, uh, if you go all the way back to Aristotle, Aristotle said that uh, political life in a free society was the humanizing arena for moderating conflict and pursuing the common good. Mm. Now think about that. Centuries wow. before the internet yeah. and social media, a humanizing arena, uh, not dehumanizing, not demonizing, but humanizing that personal connection to it. And then moderating the conflict, not escalating it or exasper exacerbating it, uh, and then getting to the common good rather than just the political power good for the, the few that are in charge. And one way you can filter that is you watch these commercials. So again, I'm gonna own that I'm a practitioner. And I'm also going to own, we, we have had many conversations during election cycles, Jason, where we talk about negative campaigns. And the reality is negative campaigns keep happening because we keep buying them. They, people say, oh, I hate them. Well, we don't because politics are the surefire mirror on they don't do things that aren't effective. Campaigns don't do things. But what you can ask yourself when you watch commercials, we're gonna see, I think, another one yes. maybe on the contempt side, is the persuasive notion in that campaign is us and them, yeah. right? What, they're, what you're buying into, if you find that appealing to you, it's because you liked, you responded well to the, uh, which am I on the good side, right? Yeah. I'm with the good guy. Yeah. The persuasive factor was an emotional manipulation about how good people are. Yeah. And we've, actually so, been, we've actually been conditioned to respond inappropriately to negative base right. emotions uh -huh. like right. anger, fear, and frustration. Maybe why we see these yeah. right. in the commercials. Uh, Tim, let's do this next one. This was coded as a four, another uh, political commercial, uh, which four was, we're better than those people people and I don't trust them. Mm. That would be, let's have that filter on as we watch this next uh, commercial. After 12 years in Washington, whose side is Mike Lee on? When veterans exposed to toxic chemicals like Agent Orange needed funding for VA benefits, Mike Lee said no. When 9-11 first responders needed health care funding, Mike Lee was one of only two senators who said no. And Mike Lee was the only senator in America who said no to new legislation to fight opioids and fentanyl. Mike Lee, it's time to say no to him. Put Utah first back is responsible for the content of this advertising. Okay, on the consent side of the scale, Tim, and this was this idea about making sure we, we don't trust people, putting them in the category of people we don't trust. Yeah, so what viewers are looking at right now, a lot of people are saying, yeah, but that was right. You know, yeah, but that is Mike Lee or that is Evan McMullen. And I'm listening to the viewer. I'm, I'm listening to the conversation on the other side of the screen right now. And they're saying, but what if I think that's true? Yes. Uh, as, as, as we've said here, the index, the score, isn't trying to say that all opinions are the same. And it's not trying to say that all principles are the same. Some people say, I'm not going to compromise on my principles. Don't. Please don't. Would hate to have a country where people compromise their principles. Violation, certainly, of one of mine. What we are saying is when we disagree, don't use that tactic. Mm -hmm. Don't use that tactic, because then you, de you, you demean your own principle. So on both of those ads, in my view, 
one a little bit more extreme than the other. You see the demeaning of the principles mm -hmm. of the person uh, that you're trying to support by using a tactic that is simply designed to humiliate mm -hmm. or uh, treat with contempt your opponent. That's not the right strategy for solving problems. It doesn't work. It, re it leads to fracturing, to tension, and to log jams in problem solving. So the only thing we know about contempt for sure is that if you don't want to solve a problem, and if you don't want to ease divisions, and if you don't want to prevent violence, use hatred and contempt. You're guaranteed to get all three of the opposites. That's an interesting word, tactic, that you use in there. And so good on the scale, at least we learn to see it for what it is. Yeah. Uh, how about a couple examples that were higher on the dignity scale? Uh, Mara, I'd like to play one for you. This was uh, the Congressional District 4 debate. This is Darlene McDonald. And this was coded as a six uh, to get to the other side of, of the scale a bit. This is, we always talk to other side and we search for shared values and interests. This gets to what Tim was talking about. What if we have some dialogue that kind of gets to that point? Let's watch this one. It is not okay to use that as a personal attack against your neighbor. Love thy neighbor. I take that very literal. I take that to mean that we should at least know who our neighbors are and get to know our neighbors and have conversations with them. To be able to even break bread with them, it is good when you can share a good meal with people even with people that you don't agree with, you can at least come to some common ground, some common consensus. But we don't have that today in our current politics because it's always about getting one up over the other. Mara, I want your take on this. As, as I listen to it, it's just interesting because some in the political world, and you've advised many, would see comments like that as being the weak approach Right. I mean, and I want to put context to it for our viewers. I'm always aware, as many of our viewers know who are highly engaged, that was during a congressional debate in which, in fact, the incumbent wasn't there. Um, but I think that the dialogue exists whether we see these races are competitive or not. I don't want people to say, wait a minute, that only exists if it's not heated. Right. And I don't think that that's true. She was able to offer a point of view that was about her philosophy. Then they go on later to still find space to talk about disagreements and talk about the issues, but that insertion shouldn't be seen as a weakness. Now, I will tell you, and I've talked about this as we've indexed, there are going to be times and places, I think. So, for example, the highest form of eight is really coming to some level of consensus. And I think that, for me, on this scale, exists predominantly after you're elected. I have a high expectation that sevens and eights should exist in the body electorate. So whether that's the Senate or the House or a city council, I expect that that be their goal. In a debate, I doubt we're gonna see many eights because it's sort of not the forum. But the question on the index is, are you always seeking to clarify your position without needing to show contempt as the major differentiator between you and your opponent? And that's why you saw a high score there. Uh -huh. uh, we didn't see any eights uh, this time as we were coding, but we did see a seven. Boyd, I want, I want to talk about this one. And the idea behind a seven is that we are fully engaged with the other side, discussing hard issues so we know where they are coming from. Uh, this was uh, uh, the third congressional debate with uh, John Curtis with his statement. Well, uh, if you know anything about me, you know I like to talk about this. Um, I'm kind of the rare elephant in the room on, on climate change. Uh, listen, um, 
I think it's important on climate to do something which we don't generally do in this conversation. And that is if you draw a continuum and you take people where they are on this issue and you value everybody's opinion, we can have a very thoughtful conversation about how we reduce emissions and how we pass on an earth better to our children than the one we inherited. Boyd? So as you look at that, it really is such a great example of if that was a contempt argument, there would have been a whole bunch of pejoratives on the front end of, you know, crazy this and Green New Deal that. Uh, but instead, he started from a place of curiosity. So contempt actually kills curiosity and prevents us from having bigger, broader, uh, more elevating discussions. And what Representative Curtis did there was was just that, said, look, I'm, I'm a rare person in this space, but I want to know why you think that's a good idea. I want to know why you think this will, will help us uh, deal with this particular issue. And so we have to be careful. The One of the leading byproducts of contempt is that it kills curiosity. And I'm one who believes that losing our curiosity is what puts us in our isolated bubbles. Uh, and lack of curiosity is a real threat to our constitutional and republic. And what I love about this example is for Representative Curtis, he's navigating largely his own caucus in many ways, right? So that is a Republican likely trying to be persuasive to other Republicans. But Jim, it's also, oh yeah. it's not just killing, it's kill, it kills curiosity. It kills also the opportunity to solve problems. Yeah, exactly. Right? So any problem of the whole is going to require yeah. the whole. Yeah. And any system that is designed to break the whole apart will make it impossible to solve problems. Mm -hmm. Whatever your position is on climate, there's only one way to solve it, and that's with everybody working on it together. Right. Otherwise, it doesn't get solved either, it would, no matter what you believe. Same thing is true on most problems. If you think of big divisive issues, guns, immigration, abortion, things like this, I don't, I'm not afraid of those issues because I actually think there are ways to solve the meat, the, the heart of those issues when we actually listen to people across the spectrum. It's not going to please everybody, and principles will prevail in one situation or another. But let's, let's not be naive here. We're talking about a practical strategy for actually moving the country forward. No, uh, there's, you know, people say, well, what about free speech? I'll tell you what stops free speech, hatred. I tell you what suppresses free speech, treating people with contempt. Then everybody goes, hmm, I'm not saying anything, no, I'm afraid. Uh, so we're trying to not just open the door to, to civility and dignity, but open the door to the freedom to express oneself so that we can actually integrate the best of each other. Our last, uh, our last 30 yeah, seconds, I, sorry. I think what, what, what Tim hit so powerfully there is we often end up with either a silent majority or a secret majority. So yeah, hate is the real killer of free yeah. speech because we either go silent or we go secret, and then we can never get to solving any kind of problem. We just gotta say, I know we gotta, we're, we're out of time. As people go to Thanksgiving, look at the dignityindex.us. Yes. Yes. Pull it up on your phone and think about that uncle, that cousin, that nephew, that brother, that sister, that parent, and just try to yes. practice this year. Perfect, such a great conversation and important, thank you. Thank you for listening to The Hinkley Report. If you enjoy this podcast and want to help more people find out about it, please rate it and leave us a positive review.